Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome all of you to this kickoff weekend. The truth is, come on, put your hands together. It's kickoff weekend. Exciting. I want to welcome all those watching online that are joining us for kickoff weekend, our McKinney campus, and also our Hazlitt campus. I want you to put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us. We're so glad you're along for the ride. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Luke chapter 4 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 16 in just a moment. It's kickoff weekend. I know some of you have been journeying with us here the last couple of weeks as we're getting started with this church-wide series. We call it a journey because it includes elements. We do it from kids to youth to all of us at different stages. And the reason we call it a journey is because we have this series of messages that I'm glad that you're a part of this weekend. And then also we have the opportunity for you to walk through the guide. If you don't have a guide, we have them for you at all locations. Online, you can download one. We have that for you for your personal journey. But a big emphasis I wanna give this weekend is a big part of the journey is being a part of a group. So if you're not in a group, again, we want you to get involved in a small group. And I know for some of you, you're like, man, that's a little bit of a jump for me. And maybe you've just kind of gotten busy with life. And again, it's just for this. The commitment you're making is from now to spring break, okay? You can commit to anything for a few weeks. But I will tell you this. Our hope is that you're going to find some relationships, that you're going to learn some things about God in that setting. It's the way Christians for centuries have studied the Bible is coming together. So I just want to encourage you. We have a team at all locations. We have online as well. Our team is ready to serve you. And I'm just asking you, I'm personally appealing to you, not on my behalf, but really on your spiritual and relational behalf for you to take that step and jump in because we never intended just to be a mass of people listening to one person talk. We wanna be a spiritual family, and a lot of times people go, I have not really experienced that. Well, the way you do it is through a group. So I just wanna encourage you to do that this weekend. Our theme is promises. We're talking about promises because we live in a world where there's so many things competing for our attention, so many things that we can't trust, We're looking for that which we can trust, and we're talking about the promises that God has made to you. So each and every week, we're going to look at some of the promises that God has made to you, and they're guarantees because they're based on his character and his nature for your life, for your emotions, for your family, for your relationships, and many times in our lives, we look to the wrong sources to get help with the things we really care about. So we're going right to the source. We're going to God to see what he says about our lives. We looked at, though, in our lives, I'd like to ask you the question, what's the, the biggest promise you've ever made? You know, I've just been thinking about that. And that's why a lot of times it's hard for us to relate to God and his promises, because we think about how hard it is for us and our promises and how we do that. I, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago in November of 1995, I made a promise to, to a girl 
I, I, I married a girl. She's still my girl. She's still awesome and uh, one of my most favorite people to be with. And so I made a promise to her. And then last week we talked about when I signed on the dotted line and bought my first house. I'll never forget. I was thinking, oh man, $68,000. I hope I can pay it back. Y'all know what I'm saying? You can't buy a storage building in this economy for that. But anyway, I just remember that promise. Let me tell you about a different kind of promise. How many of you have ever made a promise to God in a moment of struggle and challenge? You said to God, if you get me out of this one, I'll never do it again, God. When you're hanging, we don't like to talk about this in church, when you're hanging over that toilet after a <laughs> college party, I'll never drink another drop again. I'm a preacher, I don't know about that, but anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. I'll never do it again, I promise I'll never do it again. God, if you'll get me out of this credit card debt, I'll never buy another dress. I promise, just help me. I'll never, ever again go shopping if I could just get out of it. I tell you, one time I made a promise to God. It's when I was 28 years old, I went snow skiing for the first time. Didn't know a lot about it. My wife grew up skiing, and so she and some of our friends, we went to the mountains, and of course, one of my problems in life is I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. So the night before there in the ski lodge, they were all seated below. I put on all my great gear, and I said, guys, this is what you're gonna see tomorrow. And I came down the stairs. Shh, shh, it's gonna be smooth. Y'all have never seen a form like this right here. You've never seen it. Big man just gonna, like butter, come down the mountain. Never taking a lesson. Never putting on a, I've never put on a pair of skis. Now it's really wrong what these people did to me because they let my pride hang me. They really did. We got down to the lift that morning and I looked at those skis and they said, here's how you put them on. Put your toe in first. I said, okay, boom, boom. Got on the lift and they took me to the top to a black. That's wrong. That's real wrong. I came off that chairlift like a six foot three helicopter, man. I'm telling you, I, I was taking folk out, man. I mean, and falling and falling and getting up and you gotta find your stuff. The worst thing about falling is you gotta collect everything, you know, yard sale. It's like, where's everything? I mean, I just, I fell no less than 40 times, man. I'm hot, I'm sweating. And I finally get to the last little hill and I see people down there having hot chocolate. I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never go back up that hill. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I just pointed them straight down. Didn't know what I was doing. Just, just, just big man burning diesel, man. I mean, whoa, jump sideways, wham, yard sale. There I am laying. It's been like an hour since I went up that chairlift. I'm just laying there sweating, goggles fogged up. Just pulled them up, started eating snow, just laying there, just eating snow, just thankful to the Lord for being at the bottom. My wife walked by, she said, you're embarrassing me. I was like, embarrassment? I've been on the threshold of hell for the last 45 minutes. I don't care about embarrassment. <laughs> Have you ever been in a bind and you promised God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again? What I've learned about myself and I've learned about people is 
We make promises in emotion sometimes that we can't keep. You know the greatest thing about God? He never made one promise to us that was emotionally based. The only emotion was the love he had for us, but his emotion doesn't drive his promises, so we don't have to worry about, did he get up on the wrong side of the bed? Can he be trusted? Because God says to us, his promises are guarantees. I wanna give you 2 Corinthians 1.20. This is a great promise as we go to Luke 4, but 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, no matter how many he has made to us, they are yes in Christ. They've all been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So every promise he's ever made, they are yes in Christ. I want you to think about that for a minute. Yes is a powerful thing. We all want the yes, we don't want the no. Think about it, have you ever been in that place where you're waiting for a yes? You're waiting, there's a lot of emotion around waiting for a yes. It's like I've got a daughter right now, I've done this two other times. I have a 17 year old daughter who's about to put in college applications. And it's like man, they, when they get in that zone where they're waiting for those return replies, it's like am I gonna get a yes? Not a no, did I, did I do enough service projects? Did I make good enough grades? Did I fill out my application right? Because it's like everything's hinging on, will I get a yes? Maybe you've been in the third interview of a job before, and it's like I'm interviewing for that job, you want that job, and you're waiting in the balance. Just think about the emotion and the tension, I'm, I'm waiting for the yes. Some of you right now maybe ha have a big deal or a, a closing of some big event that you've been working on in your professional life. It's like, man, this is a game changer. This is a big deal. You're, you're waiting for the yes. And in the middle of waiting for the yes, there's tension, there's apprehension. Your thoughts are swirling. It's wondering, did I do everything I could have done? Wonder what they're thinking. Does anybody know what they're thinking? Can I get some inside information so I can get the yes? You make an offer on a house. And in today's market, there's 35 other ones over the, the asking price. Are y'all with me? And you're just wondering, man, how can I get the yes over all the other people that are involved? My kids, growing up, I take them on Fridays when I would pick them up for ice cream Friday. And of course, the tension in the back seat, you know? Every kid wants a yes. They hate no. In fact, if mom says no, they come ask dad. I'm always asking, look, I'm not a fool, young dads. What did mom say? I gotta live with her, y'all know what I'm saying? If you get a no, you're looking for a yes, but they'd be in the back seat, and of course the ice cream comes through, and I'm a pastor, so I have to take the tithe. <laughs> At minimum of 10%, and sometimes an offering, and sometimes alms, and sometimes the building fund, you know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes you gotta just kinda keep going. In the back, you would think they'd never had ice cream before. They're waiting for the yes. Why am I telling you this? Because when you hear the word promises, when you hear the word yes comes in Christ, you think I'm selling you something that's not real because we live in a human existence 
where we are waiting for yes, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true that all, all the promises of God, so like I can get my guide in this series and when I see in scripture God has laid something out, he's made a promise, it's already yes in Christ Jesus, that's too good to be true. It's already closed, the application's already been approved, like it's yes in Christ. I wanna show you today a promise from scripture out of Luke chapter four that comes from Jesus. What a great promise I'm gonna show you. What a great promise for your life. See, I'm convinced that anyone who hasn't abandoned themselves to Jesus, when we hear these baptism videos and you hear this phrase, I just decided to go all in with Jesus. I, I, just, I just decided I heard a message or my friend invited me or my kid began to get really connected to church and they brought me and you hear someone say, well, I just, I just went all in with Jesus. The Bible says it's the goodness of Jesus. It's the goodness of God. It's them seeing him for who he really is that would cause them to change their whole life and follow him. And I'm convinced that most people who haven't taken that step, or if you've taken that step and you're not in a good place, it's because you don't know the real Jesus. Many times he's been distorted or he's in Jesus that we've made up or there's some kind of perspective you have of him because he really is in some level hard to accept because he's too good to be true for us in our humanness. Jesus, he's been out in the wilderness being tested. It's early in Jesus's ministry right here in Luke chapter four and he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus had a custom on the Sabbath day to worship. I know it's not a custom today but it needs to be more of a custom in our lives. Let me say to all you young families, you better get your kids in church. And I know those of you that are in church I'm talking to, but I'm talking to everyone. Putting your kids in environments where they're getting the deposit that you're gonna want them to have. Jesus himself, his parents, took him to church. Look what it says, that was the custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Now scholars debate this, was that the next reading that was in succession that they handed Jesus? Probably most of the time that's what happened. They would read in succession of these different verses or did Jesus select the verse he's about to read? Either way, scholars debate, I think it's powerful that Jesus stands up to read and what happens in this moment. Look what happens here. They handed him this scroll, he unrolled it, and he found the place where it is written. Now this is important for you to get. This is Luke chapter four. This is Jesus standing in the synagogue. Jesus is quoting Isaiah. And in a moment, I'm gonna take you all the way back to Leviticus. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go Leviticus this weekend. Leviticus 25. Some of you are like, what I learn in church this weekend? You can just go to your workplace this week and be like, I know some stuff about Leviticus. That's where your Bible reading stalls out every year when you try to read through the Bible. Leviticus, are you with me? You know you never read Leviticus, come on. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So Jesus is saying the Spirit of the Lord was not upon everyone. The opportunity we have to have God's presence with us is a huge promise. The Spirit of the Lord was not with everyone, only prophets, priests, and kings. So Jesus is saying he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Some of you are saying, well, the poor need good news and I'm not poor. The problem is we measure poor in our own system of poor today. Scripturally speaking, poor was not just how much stuff you had, not how much money you had. Poor was if you had a poverty of soul, if you had a poverty of relationships. Why am I asking some of you to get in a small group? Because I want you to get rich in a place where you're poor. So poor is not just how much you have in your bank account or how many toys you have to your name. You can be rich in goods and poor according to scripture. You can be poor. He says, look, I've got good news for those that have a poverty of spirit, a poverty of their soul, a poverty in their relationships, poverty in their family. I have good news for them. And he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor there, you're like, what does that mean? That's an Old Testament concept called the year of Jubilee. It happened every 50 years. And so when Jesus is saying that, his audience would have known what that was, but you're like, I don't know what that is. So what's Jesus saying when he said, I came to proclaim a massive year. I mean, there would have been, like, if anyone would have really received in that setting, they weren't able to receive it. They would have stood up and cheered. They would have stood up and shouted. It would have been like winning the Super Bowl. Wait a minute. It's the year of the Lord's favor, Jesus? It's amazing what Jesus is proclaiming there. He rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They were looking at him. He began saying to them, now there's been no problem. There's, there, this is a regular church service. Nothing's out of hand. This is just regular synagogue, Jesus reading the scroll. Nothing was a big deal until he said this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus just said, Every one of those messianic prophecies from Isaiah, where Isaiah was pointing to a moment where people in captivity can be free and the year of the Lord's favor, he says, it's now. And if you were in the audience, you'd be like, say, say what? Come, come again, Jesus? What, what, what? What? We've heard this scroll read over and over. Now you're saying that it's now fulfilled in you, whoa. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, but they weren't able to receive it because they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? By the way, that question is still one of the largest barriers for people to go all in with Jesus today. Like, isn't that the Jesus that my uncle talked about? Like, isn't that the, the Jesus of like the Christian people in the church where hypocrites go? Like, isn't that the Jesus that I've seen portrayed in movies? Like, isn't that, isn't that like Joseph's son? 
And in our world today, many people miss Jesus because they have a preconceived notion of who he is and what he's all about. And quite honestly, I find a lot of people that don't receive the real Jesus because we have a Jesus made up in our own mind. We're a menu culture. We can't have real menus anymore, but we do have a QR code menu. I, I, I don't mind it. I cooperate with wherever I'm at. I'm not like one of you weird people calls a problem. I'm a pastor, so I'm like, it's cool. I just have trouble reading it, but I don't have a problem with my eyes. But anyway, I just... <laughs> but we like the menu. We like to go to the website, and I love... Look, don't give me a website without a menu. Because I want to know what my options are. I, I want more information. I, I want to I wanna kind of select. I, I want to kind of door dash my meal. I, I want to I menu it. I, I want an Amazon flow where you know what I like, so you kind of feed my menu like I like it. So a lot of people, when it comes to Jesus, they just sort of menu Jesus. Just kind of add the Jesus to their own life, not knowing the real Jesus, not knowing how good he is and how much he has to offer, but he demands our whole life. He comes in just by invitation and he comes in by free gift, but Jesus is not like on the menu, but not selected. He doesn't sit in the corner and be like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to heaven, sit over there. Don't be getting involved here, Jesus. We, we invited you in the house, but like, don't start moving any furniture around. Oh, he, he accepts you like you are, but when he comes in, he starts changing stuff up. You like things you used to hate. You hate things you used to like. You start changing your behaviors like Jesus will love you right where you are, but when he comes in, he'll start messing with stuff in your life. You can't just menu Jesus. You can't just say, oh, isn't that that Jesus that's been around Nazareth that we know by familiarity? No, he comes in to change our lives. Let's talk about this year of Jubilee thing. You're like, that's intriguing, pastor. I've never heard about that in Leviticus. Well, you're gonna learn something in Leviticus. The year of Jubilee happened every 50 years. Every 50 years, there was this amazing moment, this big concept when when Jesus is talking about the year of the Lord's favor, he's pointing to a moment where God told his people, when you go into the promised land, think about promises, he said, this is going to be something that happens every 50 years. And I mean, there's some amazing things. Again, almost too good to be true. Like you hear about the free vacation, you know? Like, hey, this is a free vacation. Just come look at our timeshares. You're like, I'll pass. I saw a deal on hair growth the other night. I'm being very honest. You think I'm just doing this for preacher fun. I looked at it. They say you can get a $250 gift card and they were showing people that had like hair. I mean, it was a little fuzzy, but they said, you can take this. I almost, no, I did, but I almost <laughs> applied anyway. It's like, we get sold on so many things. I'm gonna promise you here, when Jesus said it's the year of the Lord's favor, it's almost too good to be true. What are we saying when we say the year of Jubilee? Here they are. Now, it's not gonna be earth-shattering for you at first until I explain it to you. Number one, now think about in an 
agricultural driven culture when you say, number one, the land will lie fallow for a couple of year period, you don't have to till it, you don't have to plant it. Just imagine if somebody told you, and don't get too excited, you don't have to go to work for two years. You're like, whoa, are you serious? Some of you are retired, you're like, I've been doing that quite well every day Saturday. But anyway, for the rest of us, it's like, man, two years, you don't have to till it, you don't have to plant it, you don't have to harvest it, you don't have to do anything. The land lies fallow for this amount of time. Now think about it, for that to happen, the year before the year of Jubilee, there would have to be three years worth of harvest to make it through that kind of time period. Amazing thought. Here's the next one, the release of debt. Everyone's debt, everyone's credit cards, everyone's debt, every single debt totally released. Every bit of it all gone. You're like, whoa, man, that would be powerful. Some of you, just think about it for a minute. All your debt released. You're like, whoa, man. Now, some of you are not as intrigued by that because you're kind of like, well, I would love that. That would be amazing. But here's the difference in this. You really believe, okay, it's going to take me a little while, but I've got the opportunity to pay it off. I want, I want you to key in with me at Hazlitt and everywhere. Listen, we don't think about debt like this position right here. This is like, okay, debt they couldn't pay. And you get release from it, the release of debt. Freedom for indentured servants. People who couldn't pay their debts or owed someone began to be workers and laborers for other people. And so this is almost like a debtor's prison where you have people in captivity to this boss because of their debts that they owed. And the final thing was all the property was returned back in any transactions that had happened, all the property was returned. You're like, okay, that's intriguing. Wow, that's amazing. What a big scramble up. What a, what a, a crazy thing, a 50-year moment. This is once in a lifetime now. Once in a lifetime, 50-year moment, all of this stuff took place. So some of you are like, now Jesus, remember now we're talking Leviticus to Isaiah to Jesus. I'm also showing you how to read the Bible. The Bible is a consistent theme, a, a, some call it a crimson thread that leads to Christ. And, and many times we don't understand the culture, so we don't understand the significance of Jesus saying, it's the year of the Lord's favor. And they would have been like, whoa. And we're kind of like, wow, great, I could use some favor. No, no, let's look at the application of this. The application Jesus is giving is, the first thing with the land laying fallow is, Rest and peace. Rest and peace. Being able to truly cease from your earning ability to achieve the things that you're seeking. To be able to, to, to manufacture. I mean, we live in a world today where again, we think we're good at this, we're not. Anxiety at an all time high. Every person you ask, how are you doing? Stressed. What's going on? Busy, man. Busy. Oh, man, I'm just busy. Just busy. Busier than ever. Just busy. Not knowing how to rest. Not knowing how to have peace. In fact, the challenge of an achieving world is all the achievements begin to choke out the real life that we can really find. And Jesus was consistently saying, come to me. 
Come to me, all ye who are weary, all of you who are heavy laden, all of you carrying these burdens, and I'll give you peace. Talk about being made rich where we're poor. We may have achieved more than we ever thought, but can we really enjoy it? Our hearts are failing us, our bodies are failing us, our, our relationships are failing us before, for a need for rest. Imagine, okay, now you're gonna enter this period of rest and peace, amazing. I find a lot of people that I talk to and counsel today, we live looking forward to the moment where we can get that. If I can just make it to there. Talked to a young family this week, said, man, we're just gonna make it through this semester. It's crazy, it's hectic, it's, it's bananas, and, 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 and we're just, we're, we, I can't, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna try to make it to vacation. I said, where are you going on vacation? They said, Disney World. I said, that's not gonna help you with your rest and peace. You're gonna, man, you're gonna need therapy after that. It's amazing if I can get to that only to find that can't really provide it. Can I encourage you with something? Someone who's not fully gone all in with Jesus or you need to reconnect with Jesus or get back to that place with Jesus, you'll never have peace at your house until Jesus rules and reigns. You'll never have peace in your spirit and your heart. You'll never have confidence about the future. No expert can give you that. There's no promise from any kind of health diagnosis website that can make you have confidence that God is with you. Jesus said, I'm making that promise to you when he said this this day. The second thing he says is the release of debt. Again, when we think about the release of debt, it's like, well, I mean, I think I can pay it. The only problem is to have a relationship with a perfect God, you have to have a perfect track record and none of us have that. So our problem in our world today is there's a narrative that we're not really that bad off. We're just a little undereducated. And there's a narrative in a world out there that says if we could get people the right information, then they would behave better. It's not true. I know we don't preach about it today, but there's a thing called original sin. Every person is born with the flaw of original sin. Our dad, Adam, gave it to us. Our mom, Eve, gave it to us. It comes through our bloodline. So now we have a debt before God. It's why you feel guilty. I love to tell people the reason you feel guilty when you come in. I heard it this week. Did a funeral this week where a man came in at the funeral. We're standing out afterwards and he goes, Wow, you got a nice church here. Glad it didn't fall down when I came in. Glad there wasn't a lightning bolt when I came in. What was he saying? I don't usually hang around this type of atmosphere, and the reason I don't is I'm not worthy to. I'm a good sinner. I don't come in those kind of places, and when he's sitting there, he feels out of place. Why? Because he knows he's flawed. He knows what he's done. The question's not, are we filled with sin and mistakes, the real question is, what's the answer? And Jesus doesn't say, hey, let me help you with a debt that if you were given enough time, you would pay it off. That's religion. Religion is, just give me a little more time. When I get too old to sin, then I'll give my life to Christ. But right now, it's time to let it rip. It's time to, and I'll do it one day when I, out there, I'll get it paid off. I'll do some good stuff and pay it off. Jesus says you can't pay it off. This is a debt that will hang over your neck from the time you live to the time you stand before God. And the reason there's great joy is he says, it's finished. When you receive me, 
you will receive the forgiveness that you've been looking for. The reason you feel guilty is because you are guilty. And the greatest blessing that you ever receive when Christ comes into your life is it removes the guilt and the shame, the shame that marks you, that makes you wanna live distant from God. Freedom. Man, can you imagine if you were in a debtor's prison and you were let free? Now you have the freedom. Amazing, a clean slate. The weight lifted off. It's one of the things I find from people that I talk with, it's such a powerful thing. I, I, over years of leading people to Christ and people, when you, when you come back to Christ, that's why there's so much spiritual battle with it. There's so much, I don't know if I can do it. I, I, I don't know if I wanna get this. Why there's so much battle there. Because the enemy knows that the moment you surrender to Christ, there's a weight just lifted off of you. There's a freedom that comes to your life. It's like, oh, I, you hear it. I don't wanna stand in front of people. I don't wanna be water baptized. I don't wanna, I don't wanna tell someone. I don't wanna go there. Why does the enemy fight that? Because the moment you do, whew, man, lighter. I preached a series of messages when we were in the cafetorium called Unpack Your Bags. The guilt trip is over. I'll never forget that in the early days of our church. One Sunday, I preached that message and like eight or 10 people, and this is back when we only had 20, that message was so strong, eight or 10 people that Sunday came down and received Christ. Why? Because it's an internal battle we all have. You step into worship and you're just like, man, look what I did last week. I said that to my wife, I said that. By the way, on this freedom and debt thing, it's not just your personal debt. You're like, oh, okay, I kinda know I have that, but what about the debt you have to the people you've wronged? Well, you talking about a strong emotion when you've let someone down or you have an offense with your spouse and you've done something or your kids have seen you behave in a way that you know is not a way you wanna to represent to them and, and you have that on you, you're just like, how can we make it right? And that tension, if you have somebody you really love, the only way to be hurt is to love. And when you're in that tension, it's like, what could I do to get this in a right place? It's just all consuming. Jesus says, I came to give you freedom. I came to give you a lighter weight to carry. I'm the one that can do this. And here's the final thing. There's a restoration. And I'm gonna tell you, this is amazing. When he says the year of the Lord's favor, he says, I'm gonna return back the land. I'm gonna return some things back. And I wanna tell you, every time someone goes all in with Jesus and just surrenders to him and receives the gift of Jesus, here's the thing you underestimate how much restoration that he does, how much you've been trying to fix something that he just shows up and starts working in. It's amazing. I'm talking about restores families, restores marriages, restores relationships with kids, just stuff you've been trying to work and make happen, and he just goes, you know what, I'm this good. My promises are yes and so powerful I'm gonna show up and actually return to you some things the enemy has stolen from you. He does that. People who walk with Jesus age better. I'm serious. Now, now again, I, I know heaven and hell is a powerful thing. Don't, don't let it out in the public because I'm not able to do it much, but I've done two funerals and a wedding in the last week and a half, so I've done two funerals. If you don't think... 
that eternity is important, come hang out with some of us for a little bit. 54-year-old man, 75-year-old man. Can happen. We don't talk about this in church enough. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. With or without COVID. The most dangerous thing you do every day is not even a virus you catch, but you drive a motorized vehicle around the streets of Dallas-Fort Worth. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The only guarantee we have is a promise Jesus made to us. I'll release your debt so that when you stand before God, you don't stand on your own merit. You stand on the righteousness that I lived when I walked this earth. That's the only guarantee you have for eternity. And we're all getting older. Some of you are aging right in front of me as I look at you right now. You're getting older. Goes by fast. Heaven is an awesome blessing. Hell is really not even about the fire. I had a guy real prideful recently. Well, you know, I'm not worried about burning in hell. What he doesn't know is it's not the fire. In fact, it'll be so tormenting because there's nothing good there that it would be better to burn up. It's absence of God. And every good thing we have in this world today is a good gift that comes from a generous God that blesses us. Every day you feel decent. Every day you feel good. Every hug you receive, every gift you give or receive, it's all from a generous God. But I wanna tell you something. It's not just heaven or hell, it's here on earth. There's a restoration. The righteous, the Bible talks about those walking with God, the day gets brighter and brighter. We're looking for all kind of anti-aging formulas, billions of dollars to make us not age. Make us get restored. How do I restore my skin? How do I restore my health? How do I get a pill to make me age better? Need some hormones. <laughs> Anti-aging hormones. I feel like I'm not aging. I'll tell you, people walk with Jesus. There's a restorative effect to their lives. I'm not saying they don't face things. It's amazing the grace of God that's visible on the lives of people. Last Sunday night, I went to our Hazlitt campus, shared with them the vision of where we're going, of our new building. I was sharing that with them and came to the end of me talking about and celebrating where they're going. And then we started talking about the future. And then I love to open it up for questions and comments. And a lady stood up over on this side of the, the school there where they meet. She grabbed the microphone and, and she began to cry. She had a, her voice was crackling and she began to, began to share and she started getting emotional. I started getting emotional just by the level of emotion that she was sharing. Now I'd shared about, look, why do we do all this? It's because of what Jesus came to bring to every day, every single person. This is available. That's why we do what we do. That's why I love baptism weekend. We get to celebrate it. And she began to share about her and her husband and their daughter. Gets real when it's at your house. She said, we've prayed for her and we had helped and tried and we'd done therapy and she had a lot of anxiety, depression. It got serious. I don't wanna embarrass her, but I mean, it got serious, like where they were really, really concerned. Paid for all kinds of help and they got a mailer in the mail that said they were opening up a campus in Hazlitt. And she, by her own words, said, 
Well, what we haven't tried is Jesus. So they came to the Hazlitt campus and there she was crying that night saying, this morning, my daughter was worshiping Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it gets better. It gets better. I've been sharing this story all weekend. Between services, I found out that over the live stream at the last service, as I was sharing that story about her parents' passion for her and I gave the gospel, she received Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. That's an amazing thing. That's amazing. That really happened. You, you can't make this stuff up. I told her, by the way, I was like, why'd you let me preach the whole time? I should have just let you share. You had the best story, you know? But how many of you know, we try everything, seek after everything, to search for, to barter for, to strive for what's available in Christ Jesus. Every single promise is yes. I'm asking you to bow your heads. Some of you here within the sound of my voice, maybe by video or present in the room, you need to say yes to Jesus. Jesus has said yes to you, but you have to say yes to Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you right now, if you're not right with him, if you've sensed a tug in your spirit as I was preaching, it's not my words, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. As, as one place in scripture talks about, he knocks. He's knocking on the door of our heart. He's asking us. He wants to have relationship with us. It's him pulling on you, reaching out to you. He has so much in store for you. He'll make you a new creation. All you have to do is say yes to him. You can right where you are to say, Jesus, here I am. I give you my life. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. You know the mistakes that I've made. You make it your words to him. But I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me to pay a debt that I couldn't pay. I believe you rose from the dead and you're alive today, Jesus. Come into my heart and life and save me. I want to be right with you. If you're not right with him, just say, Jesus, I want to get right with you. I want to get right with you. If you prayed that prayer with me, committing yourself to him or praying that maybe for the first time, I'm not going to embarrass you or make you stand up, but I do want to know wherever you're listening to me from, I want to know if you prayed that prayer. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you? It's even just a confirmation of what you've decided to do. Keep it up. Hold it up. If you'll keep it up, the ushers are in the aisle. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I got a card. Once that card hits your hand, you can put your hand down, but just hold it up till you get the card. Once you get this little card, it's, for, it's, it's, it's important that you get it because it's going to help me serve you in your new decision. Anyone else that would say, Pastor, that's me. I prayed. I have a gift for you that I want to help you get started. Anyone else that needs that, I want to pause for just a moment and make sure anyone else that prayed with me that I get you that card. Anyone else? That card, when you exit the worship center today, those of you online, there's people there ready to mail some things and serve you. But when you exit, there's a place called Gift for You, and I have a Bible for you, a book I wrote to help you start in your journey. But I want to pray for a second group of people. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, but I want to access those promises. I want to get in a place where I am receiving what Jesus says he's provided. You just say, Jesus, here I am, and I receive today your promises. We don't earn his promises, we receive them by faith. And Lord, I pray today that our 
week this week would be different, our lives would be different, that today, Lord, you've changed us from the inside out to walk in the purpose and plan that you have for us in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.